spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. one running back at the top of Hayden Winks's rankings, which you can find in the description down below. The one and only Christian McCaffrey against the Seattle Seahawks. Hayden, we've talked about it all season long during his entire tenure with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is a master at forcing matchups. He believes they have an advantage. And the Seahawks defense, once again, the spine of it, has matchups that Christian McCaffrey can take advantage of. He's had three different 100 rushing yard games against the Seahawks with the 49ers. And just a couple weeks ago, he had 114 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, five receptions. This is just what CMC does. Pick'em Lobby obviously loves him at 115 total yards. This is a complete eruption spot. Seahawks fifth worst against fantasy running backs, partially because CMC tends to go crazy against them. <laughs> they did make that trade for Leonard Williams and Hayden really hasn't panned out. That was for a, a second round pick over the last six games. Seattle has allowed 4.9 yards per carry to running backs, 121 rushing yards per game and yeah. league high eight rushing touchdowns to backfields. That doesn't include the receiving game at all. Okay. We know you're going to start CMC. That's why we're going to rank another, I don't know, 33 or 34. Running backs, we start off at the top of the next tier. We go back to the well. This time, Zach Moss at the Cincinnati Bengals. Hayden, while the production didn't match the ranking or the usage last week, we should have that align if the usage matches up against the Cincinnati Bengals' awful defense. I certainly hope so, because if not, the comments are going to come after me. Uh, (laughs) He played like 98% of the snaps. He had 22.3 expected half PPR points. There were interceptions targeted to him at the goal line. There were other uh, design opportunities for Zach Moss to get at home. It just didn't work out against the Titans. Well, good news. The Bengals are now top 10 in rushing production allowed to fantasy running backs. They're third worst in rushing EPA allowed. Pick'em Lobby already has it at 78 rushing yards expected for Zach Moss. So let's go back to the well. He's busted yep. like once out of all the games where he's had this elite workload. And this is a good matchup. The Bengals defense, to all the points that you said, have allowed five rushing touchdowns to running backs over the past four games. And this Colts offensive line, if you go and watch the scheme that I did with Colt McCoy on Shane Syke and how he's changing everything to his pieces, that offensive line stands out tremendously, especially Quentin Nelson and a few other pieces. Okay, you're running back three. Alvin Kamara versus the Carolina Panthers. Hayden, he has now cleared 100 yards from scrimmage in five of his last seven games. There's another good opportunity for Alvin Kamara against the Carolina Panthers, who are third worst against fantasy running backs. He already had 103 rushing yards on 23 carries against Carolina. And even with Derek Carr most likely sidelined, the Saints are still projected for 21 and a half points over the last month of the season. Alvin Kamara up to RB6 in both usage and production, I like the matchup on top of it. So, so far, Derek Carr is practicing this week, despite having like his second head injury slash concussion protocol in in the last three weeks. I think if 
Jameis Winston plays, people are going to be nervous of, okay, what happens to all of the receiving work that Alvin Kamara is getting? Because people just think that, you know, Jameis throws the ball 20 plus yards on the field every single time. Not exactly true. Um, in his lone stretch of series with Alvin Kamara this year, I think he was targeted about 32% of his routes. And then with Derek Carr, that's around 35% of his routes. So like, obviously the receiving work is really added on to Alvin Kamara this season. He's averaging a career high 6.7 receptions per game. Wow. Yeah, I think that's, that's got to be number one at the position. Um, also, Taysom Hill is on the injury report yeah. as well with hand injuries and stuff. That, that could Shoulders, open up knees, a couple. Shoulders, knees, and toes, too. <laughs> I mean, all, this, this whole – what's going on in New Orleans? I don't mean to laugh, but it really is like multiple things for multiple Saints players at this point in the season. So. It's it's funny when you see the commas on the injury reports in the parentheses. Okay, Bijan Robinson – you're running back four this week. This is against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he has now handled 23, 19, and 21 touches in the past three games after reaching 19 touches in just two of the opening nine games of the season. That's courtesy of Rich Rebar in his worksheet over at Sharp Football Analysis. So, Hayden, this is the usage that everyone's hoping for when they draft him number eight overall to start the season. This completely aligns with the Falcons' neutral pass rates. You can see that they were relatively balanced to start the season, and then over the last month, they've been the most run-heavy team by far. They only passed the ball in 29% of their neutral situations last week, and then sometimes when they do pass the ball, obviously it's going to go to Bijan as well. So you can start feeling the post-buy rookie bump start to come along for Bijan Robinson. The offensive line looked a little bit better. And you and I, we've talked about Tampa Bay being uh, a pass funnel, and it, it is to some degree. Right. But they are fourth worst in rushing success rate allowed. They've lost a couple pieces throughout the years in the front seven. So a lot of teams still try to attack the ball uh, through the air. I still think the Falcons are just going to look at this and be like, we can still run the ball. And it's very clear that's what they want to do. Not to bring out fantasy football PTSD here, but the last time these two teams played was that Bijan Robinson headache not playing until like the final series mm -hmm. of the fourth quarter. But even in that game, Atlanta backs totaled 170 yards on 36 touches, and that was without Bijan Robinson. Next for you, Kyron Williams. Talk about usage. I mean, no one has it better. Um, and Hayden, it's not just between the tens. It's really the stuff inside of the 10 yard line. Like Kyron Williams, I think is fourth in points scored inside the 10 among all running backs in the NFL. And that's despite going on injured reserve for four <laughs> or five weeks of the season. Crazy. Um, I would say the only reason just to get inside your brain here, the only reason you have his number five is because they're at the Baltimore Ravens this week. The team total is not very great right now for the Rams. They're only projected for 16 and a half points as a team. Now, the entire offense, more or less, has been going through Kyron Williams, like you said, inside the red zone. The last two games since the injury, 21.8, 26.3 expected points. That's very hard to find. So even with the Ravens run defense, even with the Rams not projected to score a lot of points, it's hard not to rank Kyron Williams very high. Okay. Next, Devon Achan. Yes, sir. He's back. He looked great this past week. He's facing now the Tennessee Titans defensive line. We talked about the splits in first and second half in stats versus film. Uh, I don't care as much about that as some other people. Mainly, I want to see that they want to use him in tandem with Raheem Mostert coming back from injury, which they did in that first series. And I want him to look explosive individually. And he did just that, too. 
Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think it was just a good test for Achan to go out there and be able to handle the workload coming off injury, and the environment is perfect. The Dolphins projected for the most points. They're at home. I've talked about it plenty of times. The Titans have not faced this Mike McDaniel offense before, so that usually Tua and this entire offense goes crazy against the inexperienced Titans, and they're missing Jeffrey Simmons, who's an absolute monster defensive tackle for the Titans. One of the reasons why the Titans are a pass funnel usually is because Jeffrey Simmons is an absolute crazy man and he's not expected to play. I should have put Raheem Mostert uh, up because he's next in your rankings as well. So they are back to back. We've talked about uh, maybe some of the explosive plays, the 20 plus yard runs for Raheem Mostert, which he, you know, made a name for himself across the league uh, have kind of vanished as the season has gone along. That is understandable for a dude that is 31 years of age. Uh, but again, I think it's other than, and this is according to Reeves, he has the most rushing touchdowns for a player at his age other than John Riggins in a season so far. John Riggins. <laughs> you, you know, you went oh, yeah. watching that John Riggins highlights, right? Uh, of course I did. Of course I know who John <laughs> Riggins is. Um, and by the way, Raheem, it's like on a scale. On the Raheem scale, right, the right, long right, touchdowns right. have not been there, but yeah. he still had one, what, two weeks ago? I know, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, He's just doing it in a different way than I think people are accustomed to Mm -hmm. his fantasy points, if that makes sense. Okay. Isaiah Pacheco is next on a great streak of games. Isaiah Pacheco is. This is against the Buffalo Bills. Four straight contests with 80% or more of the backfield opportunities. And Hayden, that perfectly coincides with Jarek McKinnon's injury. And this is just a placeholder because Jarek McKinnon is expected to practice this week. Doesn't mean he's going to play necessarily. And then at the same time, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, he picked up a shoulder contusion. I'm not sure if it was when he was throwing that punch last game, if that's when his shoulder started to bug. But at some point, he's dealing with a little shoulder injury himself. If McKinnon's not out there, Isaiah Pacheco might sneak back into my top five. Mm. Uh, But if McKinnon is out there, uh, his on-off splits have just been so drastic because McKinnon is a passing down back. As for the matchup, the Bills, I looked up like five different metrics I like to look at against fantasy running backs. The Bills are like 16th, 17th, 18th, and all of them. This is like a very mediocre yep. matchup. Uh, not, not a must-win game for the Chiefs, but to make us feel good about where the Chiefs are after a couple weak uh, offensive performances, I like their chances. Saquon Barkley's next, coming out of a bye. Uh, we know he needed the rest as your running back. Uh, I think this is your running back nine on the week. Because mm-hmm. uh, Saquon Barkley has been the offense for stretches, especially with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. But, I mean, Hayden, just, what, two weeks before the bye? Just before the bye week? Uh, it was one of the best individual performances you will see all season. And that was courtesy of Saquon on a team that wasn't projected for many points. Completely agree with all that. Uh the Packers are also a good matchup for Saquon Barkley. Teams facing the Packers defense choose to run the ball. Obviously, Saquon Barkley doesn't have to run the ball, but uh, through the air, he comes down with some fantastic grabs. So Pick and Lobby absolutely loves him at 96 and a half total yards projected. Um, the Giants, of course, only projected for 15 points as a team, but it's the entire Saquon Barkley show here. Um, and I think them sticking with Tommy DeVito is like fine with me. He's looked better the last week or so versus uh, his first couple starts. Rashad White closes out your top 10. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on the road to Atlanta and their running back, Rashad White, has now had 98 yards or more from scrimmage in six of his past seven games. Tough matchup for him despite the bell cow usage. 
uh, just because the Bucks are projected for only 18 points. What happens against Atlanta? Because we just talked about with Bijan, because they run the ball so much, the clock just completely evaporates. So Atlanta has been the second best defense against fantasy running backs. Obviously, no Grady Jarrett is going to help. Rashad White, the offensive line just in general, has looked better uh, for the Tampa recently. Um, but White only managed 36 rushing yards on 13 carries earlier this season. But, of course, he still caught six passes. So this is as low as I can rank like a, a true bell cow. It's hard to find these type of guys. And I kept mentioning that without Grady Jarrett, I was expecting this defense to kind of fall off. It really hasn't happened. I mean, they're still only allowing 3.7 yards per carry to backfields. Yeah. Um, wow. They're also the last remaining team in the league yet to allow a rushing touchdown to a running back this season. Wild. And we're all the way in week 14. Week 14, everyone. Let's go. Almost at the end. <laughs> Tony Pollard is your running back. 11. I mean, we got to do it. We, we, we got to rank Tony Pollard this high, right? Because it's a player on a team whose offense is totally flying. Hayden, uh, talk to me about the... Not transformation per se, but I mean, the last time out was the first time reaching 20 touches for Tony Pollard in a game since week six. And so let's continue to ride that opportunity wave here. I hope so. It's not my favorite matchup going against the Eagles, who are the best uh, defense against running backs. But I mean, it's just look where the Cowboys sit right here. They're projected for 28 points. They have a lot of play volume. Tony Pollard's been getting it done a little bit more recently than he was earlier in the season so this is one where when we're flipping for touchdowns at least mm -hmm. tony pollard's on a team that we know is going to score uh, a bunch of them so at this point i'm going to go play the team total game with tony pollard um even if i'm worried about like his individual matchup right cowboys at home were they favored by about four points this week huh mm -hmm. yeah Ooh, delicious okay next the two lines running backs and for now you have Dave Montgomery slightly ahead of Jameer Gibbs. That's exactly how it worked out this past week. Um, despite about a two-week span just as Dave Montgomery came back, where it was slightly in the favor of Jameer Gibbs. Mm -hmm. um, to me, what stood out is once they got down inside the five-yard line, they are again reinserting Dave Montgomery, again, despite a series-in, series-out standpoint, again, in previous matchups. And for that... Touchdown favorites likely in a game that they were expected to win likely mm -hmm. ranks higher than the other running back. Yeah, I think three point favorites help just because Montgomery played more last week. And then the previous week, it was Gibbs playing more in negative game script. When the Lions faced Chicago um, a couple weeks back, they had a 40% neutral pass rate, which means that the Lions were trying to run the ball against uh, Chicago. And that was a game, remember, where they came back and won that game. So uh, I think we can even see more usage for David Montgomery in this one versus what, what it was a couple of weeks back. Uh, the, the bears have been good against the run. I don't think the lions give a crap about that. This, they want to run the ball and they are very confident that they can do that. So the team total, the game script, uh, and then David Montgomery being subbed back in at the goal line, all work in his favor. Dave Montgomery has scored in every game, but one this season. And that was the one that he left early in the game. Dang. Now we touchdowns. Yes. Now with Jameer Gibbs, I still think there's a lot of upside case for him as well because totally. the bears have allowed the most receiving yards to running yep. backs, most receiving the, points in the NFL. Yep. Third, most receptions. So there's something about the, the defense that the 
opposing offenses like to pick apart. And obviously you, when you have Jameer Gibbs, this is the perfect opportunity to scheme up a couple things, see if you can hit a couple of big plays. So I know the bears have been good against fantasy running backs. I just don't, I quite frankly just don't care that much because I know what Dan Campbell wants to do with this offense. And right. these two guys are focal points. Yeah. And having them as again, 12th and 13th, just, makes too much sense and i'm with you like this is an avenue in a game for both of them to get home and the last time these two teams played i think gibbs did catch six passes for 59 yards so okay next up josh jacobs i mean just so much usage josh jacobs is getting at the moment um he is also coming off a bye he needed that rest uh now it's against the minnesota vikings which is an awkward i think that's a good term for it awkward yeah. defense to run on so uh, he's had 26, 29, 15, 24 touches in four games where Antonio Pierce is the interim head coach. I'm with you on the awkward matchup, just to reiterate. Um, offense is facing the Vikings, pass the ball at the fourth highest rate, because I think there's a lot a lot of things to sort out, and they, there's, it's not like the easiest run running matchups uh, for offenses to kind of sort out. And then the Vikings have been the fourth best fantasy running back defense on top of that. So um Obviously, it's kind of like the same conversation with with the Lions running backs. I know this offense wants to give Josh Jacobs all the usage he can handle, even if the matchup kind of feels a little bit weird. Um, Pick and Bobby has him at 73 and a half rushing yards in this one. So I think he's an upside RB2. Okay. Um, I did want to bring this up because I thought it was a good note in Reeves' worksheet. Uh, even with the 63-yard run that we saw last time out for Josh Jacobs, he has a run of 10 or more yards on just 4.1% of his carries, which ranks last among all 39 qualifying running backs this year. To me, when watching Josh Jacobs, I don't think it's a him problem. I think that is more of a variance plus offensive line plus team dysfunction yeah. dynamic that we've seen so far this year. And I feel like the first month of the season looked a lot worse than like the yes. last couple months. I'm with you. Okay, James Cook is up next. There are some really intriguing notes uh, that I pulled from the worksheet for this one because and I actually bring it up from our buddy Jared Smola first. It's about the pace of play, how you know we've tried to figure out the differences in this Joe Brady offense versus a previous Ken Dorsey one. Ooh, I'll zoom in. Bill's at a sizzling, as Smola puts it, 18.5 seconds per snap in neutral situations under Joe Brady the past two weeks. That was up to... 27.2 seconds when Ken Dorsey was OC. So more plays, Hayden. We like that. Mm -hmm. More plays and a lot more just commitment to the running backs. The Bills have been like in the middle of neutral pass rates this this month when Brady has been calling the plays. And then James Cook has been uh, catching some passes on top of that. He's had 15.2 and 17.0 expected points in his last two contests. And the Chiefs, if there was one little matchup wrinkle you could look to exploit, they are 31st in rushing EPA allowed. So uh, James Cook, an explosive rusher. The Chiefs have been allowing some explosive runs. So this is a good matchup to me for James Cook. And I do think there is something to Joe Brady uh, wanting to get these running backs a little bit more involved to kind of maybe limit the interceptions. That's been a huge narrative for Buffalo. Um, we are expected to get Dawson Knox back, which means maybe more two tight end sets. I'm not sure if that has that much of a trickle down to the running backs, but we will certainly have to talk about that uh, later on this week. Yeah, it's obviously in Kansas City, this game. And speaking of the running back usage, just one time in the opening 10 games, James Cook had 20 touches or more. He's handled 20 and 22 over the past two games. Next, it doesn't look right, but it makes sense. Also, Eckler down this far. 
on the list. Hayden, this is against the Denver Broncos. Um, and I would say a major issue is Austin Eckler has not found the end zone since week 10 and is averaging just 3.4 receptions per game, his fewest in a season mm-hmm. since all the way back in 2018 when he was splitting time with, I believe, Melvin Gordon. So I think it's a lot of things at play. Number one, the Chargers offense has not been as good. So there's been fewer red zone opportunities for Austin Eckler versus the last couple seasons. And then on top of that, Austin Eckler hasn't been breaking as many tackles um, this year. And doesn't have the same explosiveness. That's very evident when you're watching him on tape. So it's not a surprise to me that Kellen Moore is not dialing up as many receptions, targets, all of those type of looks as Eckler was used to getting. That said, it still is the Chargers offense. We know that they are capable. The Broncos defense is ob- obviously been really trash this entire year. So Austin Eckler has a chance to bounce back. But just for a frame of reference, he is the RB31 on RB8 usage this month. That's about as bad as it gets. So I'm kind of splitting the difference here. And I think that is justified. Maybe he's like a GPP play where Austin Eckler just rolls into the end zone. Dog ball play? Yeah, maybe it's a dog ball play in Miami. But on a median baseline projection, which our show is mostly about, I think this is appropriate for him. Yeah, there have been other times in his career where, you know, he's been a model breaker that he's been super efficient on not as much volume. Now he has to have the volume. Moving on, Joe Mixon, who lit the world on fire on Monday Night Football. Uh, He is here as your running back 17 on the week. This is against the Indianapolis Colts defense. And even in that tremendous game, he had a season low 73.5% of backfield touches. Mm-hmm. It's why this game is so tough to predict. It is. There was coach quotes going into this that they wanted to get Chase Brown in there, which is why I had Mixon ranked lower. It's it's why I had the lower on his touches last game. It goes into overtime. They had multiple goal line opportunities. Mixon converted both of them. Another big screen for Joe Mixon. I still think Joe Mixon could play a little bit. I know like the numbers yeah. haven't always been there for Joe Mixon, but He always runs really hard, breaks a couple tackles here and there. What I noticed with the Bengals is the offense wasn't the exact same. They ran the ball uh, more than they have uh, previously in neutral situations, uh, and they got under center a couple times with Browning, and Browning was able to handle it. I think that that type of style uh, helps uh, Joe Mixon on top of it. And then for the matchup, the Colts defense allowing the highest neutral run rate in the NFL. So teams trying to run against them, that's going to help Joe Mixon. But I do think it does make sense for Chase Brown to get in there and compliment Joe Mixon. Uh, but we've been used to that with back going back to Samaj P. Ryan. I think right. it's a similar dynamic, not the same bell cow as Mixon early in the season. Um, but I do think they have to get Mixon, keep this thing a little bit more balanced than like what they would do with uh, Burrow. And the Colts just, you know, statistically are allowing 17.2 rushing points per game to backfields and have allowed 13 rushing scores to opposing backs. And we saw, you know, Jim Mixon find the end zone, which in the first part of the season was lava for him. And now he is starting to find it a bit more. And among the backup quarterbacks, the Bengals are projected for the most points like Minshew and then Browning are kind of the same tier. And then you get into, you know, the terrible tier. There you go. Hey, do you ever check your statement at the end of the month from your credit card bank account and see just subscriptions randomly there that you either forgot to cancel, want to cancel, don't know how to cancel? I've been there. It stinks. It's this ridiculous process. And that is where Rocket Money comes in. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills All in one place. Sounds incredible, huh? I mean, over 80% of people have subscriptions. 
and you and them can stop paying for the ones that you don't want. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's like finding an extra 20 or 40 bucks underneath your couch cushion to start the new year. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash underdog. That's rocketmoney.com slash underdog. Rocketmoney.com slash underdog. Running back 18 for you, Javante Williams. Um, it hasn't been as beautiful for Javante's no. fantasy-wise as it has been for like Cortland Sutton, okay. for example. Now it's against the Los Angeles Chargers. And Hayden, whenever we think about the Chargers, we think, okay, this is a get-right spot for everyone. But actually, against running backs, it they've been a bit better this mm-hmm. season. And on top of that, after handling 77% of the backfield touches in week eight, Javante Williams has been below 70% in each of the past four games. They're getting your guy McLaughlin in there. They're getting some Ajay P run at the goal line at times here. It's still Javante Williams for the most part, but they've been scaling it back, which makes sense because Javante has just not been the same player this year. Still runs really hard, but I think a lot of these guys coming off of significant knee injuries, it's a side-to-side agility that kind of is a little bit more suspect. I think that's what I've noticed with Javante after going back and watching him. I'm with you. The Chargers run defense has been good. They are also now without Joey Bosa again with that foot injury. Um, So maybe it's a a fine spot for Javante, but yeah, he just hasn't been the same level player. And I'm going to have a very aggressive ranking for Cortland Sutton because I think Staley basically went out there and said, look, I can't be the league's worst run defense again. So we're going to for sure plug that up. And then if we get lit up through the air this year, that's something we're going to have to live with. And right. boy, are they living with it. <laughs> Derek Henry is up next. Uh, he closed out this tier as your running back 19. This is at the Miami Dolphins. The big fear is that they're just going to get boat raced. Yes. <laughs> Let's be honest. And again, Reeves had some wonderful numbers on this. Tennessee has lost three road games this season by double-digit points. Those have been against the Browns, the Buccaneers, and the Jaguars. In those games, Derrick Henry had 11, 12, and 11 touches. Mm. And then he was the running back 67, 48, and 39 on those weeks. Running back 67. <laughs> that seems like where like you and I would finish. Uh, <laughs> it's not great. Um, but there are also some times where Derrick Henry, the games get a little bit closer. Derrick Henry scores a first quarter touchdown. Right. And he can save his day. Uh, he went into the concussion protocol last week. The Titans are claiming that he didn't suffer a concussion, despite him, to me, looking like he had a concussion. Um, we'll see. I'm assuming that he's going to be out there. If not, Ty J Spears would be very intriguing because Ty J Spears is the negative game script running back. Um, so I picked him up in any leagues where he was available. And we'll see if Derrick Henry did in fact clear concussion protocol. But like you said, it's it's the game script that is a little bit concerning. Okay. We move on to tier four. That kicks things off with Chuba Hubbard at the New Orleans Saints. Um, we saw this past week, as we talked about in Stats versus Film, that the Panthers went back to more gap and power runs, and it paid off in a big way for this team, and they better keep it going. Chuba Hubbard looks better to me as well. He's dealt with a lot of injuries dating back to college. He said that he now feels healthy and it, all of the, the metrics and to me, the tape look better for Chuba Hubbard. So I'm trying to debate why I'm not ranking Chuba Hubbard even higher than this, because last week he had 19.8 expected points. Uh, Bryce 
played probably maybe his best game of the season. Um, uh, so I like that moving forward. And he's just been uh, an upside RB2 type of guy since completely dusting Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, whenever he gets in there, he's just like, he's a mistake waiting to happen. So I'm not surprised that Chuba Hubbard is completely running away with this. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try to keep this thing super balanced and let Chuba get to close to 20 touches again. DeAndre Swift has been, let's say, a real disappointment over the last few weeks, and now he faces the Dallas Cowboys on the road. He's also been banged up quite a bit, took a huge hit this past yeah. week. Uh, I think even having him, and I, I really like DeAndre Swift, but even having him at uh, running back 21 is um, optimistic. This is a, kind of waiting to see where he's going to be on the injury report just because of that big hit. Kenny Gainwell was playing ahead of him at times last game and it's just been so much Jalen Hurts at the goal line. It's hard for DeAndre Swift to kind of get there. The receptions have kind of gone up and down throughout the season as well. We've seen certain elements of teams that should not be as bad as they are be bad for stretches of the season. I think that this running attack from the 10-yard line to the 10-yard line should be much better and more consistent than it has been this season. So maybe that does click down the stretch of this year and DeAndre Swift would be a beneficiary of that. It just hasn't, you know? What if he's just not that good? Well, you know, like, I think he's, for example, do you think he's better than Miles Sanders? Yes. I think he's about this, maybe a little bit better, but not a, not a whole lot better. These, I mean, the holes that he gets for DeAndre Swift are always massive. Okay. Travis Etienne is up next. Um, Why here? Why is running back 23? Is this correlated to potentially... Trevor Lawrence not playing, even though he showed up to his press conference without even a boot on, which is pretty amazing. Well, I go straight to the team totals, and let me just warn you, <laughs> it's not pretty. Do you want to take a guess what Jacksonville oh, is man. projected for this week? And uh, whatever you think it is, go lower. Really? I mean, I, w- I was going to say 16 and a half. <laughs> Try 14. <laughs> so they're just not oh. expected to score a lot of points, you know? And Dearness Johnson has been, like, actually mixing in to, like, to some degree – uh, compared to earlier this season. So, I mean, Vegas doesn't think that at the Browns. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's as bad as it gets. So the reason why I have him here is because another running back in a kind of bell cow situation on a team projected for not a lot of points are the next couple names on this list. I grouped them up. Yeah. ETN has not rushed for 80 yards in a game since week five, which is pretty crazy to think about. Wow. He's only done so in three of 12 games this season. And like he was one of the best running backs in fantasy football for a stretch of five games. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Long season. Long season fantasy football is. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of that guy who's going to be owning his backfield and what are you going to get from it? Uh, his name is Ezekiel Elliott. He's at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Um, the 30-point game total that's projected for this game on Thursday is the lowest in the NFL since 2004. <laughs> Dude, oh man, Al might fall asleep. I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame him. I'm taking a red eye that Thursday, so I, I feel good. I'm gonna go. Uh, you're gonna have it on the screen as you're flying. It's gonna put you right asleep, man. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's gonna ambient. Work well. No, I just need some Ezekiel Elliott versus <laughs> Mitchell in my life. Right, but here's the. He, let me just sell you on something real quick. The backups: Ty Montgomery, Jamichael Hasty. These are scat backs, change of pace, undersized guys that cannot handle the workload. Will not be a threat at for Zeke Elliott at the goal line. If they get there, Zeke Elliott went in there and basically had the Ramondre Stevenson role. Ramondre before his injury was uh, having RB one level workload. I think that Zeke will have that workload. Now the Patriots are projected for twelve and a half points this week against 
the Pittsburgh Steelers who know that they will only try to run the ball. So it's not going to end well for Zeke, but I can promise you he will have 40 snaps in 15 to 20 touches. There it is. Okay. Brees Hall up next. This is against Houston Texans. Um, I'm a big fan of Brees Hall. I'll throw some bad stats at you. Okay. Okay. Since rushing for 177 yards in week five, Brees Hall has 83 carries for a total of 198 yards and no touchdowns in the last seven games. But he does have five plus receptions in five of seven games. So, you know, PPR, he'll get you some five points. People are calling the PPR scam. I I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, It's better with Zach Wilson out there. It is better with Zach Wilson. It's also worse without Elijah Vera Tucker and all of their good offensive linemen. Completely broken situation for Brees Hall. He did lose snaps to Dalvin Cook. We kind of joked, or I joked about it because Dalvin Cook immediately fumbled with more more workload, but he was out there at least stealing some reps. Brees Hall also dealing with an ankle injury, did not practice on Wednesday. The Jets are basically eliminated at this point. Um, So I wonder if they're going to like scale back Brees Hall's workload. Like why? He's coming off this huge injury. Why would you keep trotting him out there for 25 touches? So I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous for Brees Hall, and obviously the team's projected for you know 14 points again. Uh, A.J. Dillon's next. I feel like there is just nothing that needs to be said about A.J. Dillon. Like, this is an offense that is getting better, but yeah. even without Aaron Jones and maybe A.J. Dillon playing better now than he did in the first four or five weeks of the season, it's still like just – you hate to play him. He gives you nothing. He has to fall in the end zone, and he's not doing that at all. Completely agree. Not a huge A.J. Dillon fan, but they are playing the Giants yeah. this this week, and the Packers offense has been pretty good. So I think his odds of falling into the end zone are, are higher than usual. Yes. So I, I, I'm not an A.J. Dillon bro, but on this week, I will take my chances in the flex. Uh, he's underperformed this every single time, but – He's had 11.1, 12.6, 13.1 expected half PBR points without Aaron Jones, who maybe could practice this week, but I don't, I'm still thinking he's probably a week away. Okay. Back into our lives. Kenneth Walker. We hope. Has there been any news on this? Not yet. Uh, too early. Um, this lines up with when they thought he was going to be able to return. That said, it's against the 49ers again. Right. You know, right. That's rough. Um, Obviously, the 49ers totally shut down Philadelphia's running game last week, which is, as we've discussed, really nearly impossible to do over the last Mm -hmm. two or three years. And the Seahawks are nearly as good as running the football as the Philadelphia Eagles are. So you're going to need one splash play from Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And on top of that, the uncertainty coming off of a setback to his midsection. Roshan Johnson is next. Uh, I will add Khalil Herbert is playing. Um, Deontay Foreman returned to practice. This is against the Detroit Lions. They're actually allowing just 3.45 yards per carry to running backs, including 79 rushing yards on 28 carries to these backs back in week 11. Big difference. No, Ali McNeil. That's a defensive tackle yep. for the Lions. So that's a huge that's deal. Um, but with Roshan, this is a complete, completely uncertain backfield. Roshan took over as a lead back the game before the bye week. That game, Deonta Foreman was not active for. Before that, it was Deonta Foreman as the lead back. My guess is they want to see post by rookie bump Roshan and see what he has uh, for the rest of the season. So I still rank him the highest, but Khalil Herbert, Deonta Foreman, and Roshan have not played all together very often this year. 
and that's what we should be expecting in this one. So I think we'll follow the news, see if there's a surprise healthy scratch or something like that. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just going to stick with what happened the last game and what makes sense to me. Rookies play more down the stretch. You're right. Although saying all that, I would not be shocked if Roshan loses the lion's share of this work. I agree. I agree with that. Okay. Jerome Ford closes out your top 28 here. Um, this is against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he's been somewhat of a hit or miss player in yeah. terms of, you know, 25% of his rushes have failed to gain yardage, but 11% of his carries have gained 10 or more yards. He also was hit, I believe, on a running back wheel route this past week for a touchdown. So he's decent, at least in the receiving game and that we know this backfield is Jerome Ford a lot. And then once they get inside the 10 yard line, there goes cream hunt. And I worry just because Jacksonville sells out to stop the run, their third best in rushing success rate allowed. So the, what Jerome Ford is good at the explosive runs is pretty much what Jacksonville is like trying to take away. So I don't love the matchup individually for him. Um, assuming cream hunt is healthy. He's been playing through, uh, I think it's a growing element, but yeah, it's just, just as a reminder, Cream Hunt converting 77% of his carries with three or fewer yards to go, which is top five in the league. Jerome Ford at 35% behind the same offensive line. I don't even know how that, that much of a gap is possible, but that's why Cream Hunt is the goal line guy. Okay, to close this thing out, we have a couple pairs of running backs on the same team. 29 and 30 is Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. They face the New England Patriots. Uh, New England, despite all of their injuries and being an awful team and getting run on a lot, New England is allowing the lowest rate of runs of five or more yards yeah. and rate of runs of 10 or more yards across the league. They are allowing a lead low 3.38 yards per carry to running back. So with Mitch Trubisky out there, you and I have theorized that they would probably lean even more into the running game and their run mm -hmm. blocking, which has improved as the season has gone along. But they might run into a brick wall quite a bit. Definitely a brick wall. Um, Patriots first in rushing success rate, first in rushing EPA allowed. They know that the Steelers want to just only run the ball. Najee Harris has been the running back 26 in usage this month. Jalen Warren, RB 31. The big thing, though, is Najee Harris has not practiced this entire week. It seems like the Steelers think he's going to be available for this one, but I don't love when players don't practice at all, though this is a Thursday night football. So we'll just kind of see what the reports going into that game are. In the meantime, I will be ranking Jalen Warren ahead of Najee. But as a reminder, it's been Najee Harris as the 1A. Right. We like Jalen Warren. They've been equally as productive. But Najee, like even the last game when they were just running it despite trailing by two touchdowns the whole time, it was with Najee, not Jalen Warren. Okay. Next two, Keaton Mitchell, then Gus Edwards. Um, Gus Edwards is averaging about like 43 yards per game, but he's more likely to score a touchdown when they get inside the 10 or the five-yard line. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, as much as we love the explosiveness of Keaton Mitchell and the element that he brings here, especially against a Rams defense, Keaton Mitchell has not played a single snap this season in goal-to-go situations. Not a surprise. I don't think that's going to change necessarily either. Uh, before their bye week, it was a three-running back committee. It was actually, surprisingly, Justice Hill led with 7.2 expected PPR points because he was the one to get the goal line opportunity. Then Keaton Mitchell had 5.7, which is not a lot. Gus Bus had 4.2 expected points. So three back committees don't love. If there was a team where I would trust it, it would be Baltimore. Uh, I can see defined roles here. We're just hoping that Mitchell starts actually completely uh, taking away Justice Hill's opportunity. That, that way we can actually get him ranked 
above this. So it's like, basically, do you think Gus Edwards will fall into the end zone twice? Or do you think that Mitchell will be able to take something from 40 yards and actually house it? I think the odds of those are probably pretty similar. Okay. We close out Devin Singletary and uh, Damian Pierce. And I'll just throw in Alexander Madison on top of this too, because yeah. Ty Chandler ranks just after him. Anyways, this Texans running back room, we saw at the very least uh, two series for Singletary to open the game, then one for Damian Pierce. And then the second half, it basically went drive by drive. And maybe for the first time this entire season, Damian Pierce had more rushing success than his peers. That was new. Uh, what was not that new was Damian Pierce getting the goal line work up until the injury. It was Damian playing ahead of Devin Singletary at the goal. And that's what happened this last game. So it's basically an even split. Devin Singletary only had 5.6 expected points the last game. And this time the Texans are only projected for 19 points. So that's a big change. The Texans have been scoring 25, 30 points for a lot of these games, especially when Devin Singletary was going crazy playing in New York against the jets will keep this team total wow. very low. It's not only just the, that the jets are going to take the higher on that. Hey, uh, I'm not sure because the Jets defense is good, but the yeah. offense is so unbelievably bad that uh, the other teams like don't even like try to score as many points, <laughs> if, if you will, because they're just like playing keep away and just like, all right, let's get this game over with. We scored 10 points. The Jets are it's impossible for them to score more than 10 and they kind of sit on leads. The clock just keeps going and going and going because the Jets can only throw screen passes and run the ball. So th- it's just hard to score points against the Jets because it's the Jets. Okay, we close this thing out with Alexander Madison, who's on the opposite end of that Raiders equation. The Raiders are allowing 141 yards from scrimmage per game to backs um, and 15.6 rushing points. There's 26th in the league in both. Um, I guess the only issue is Alexander Madison has had like zero productive games as a rusher this year. And so that's what drives him all the way down here. And maybe they try to get Ty Chandler after the bye week, some more opportunities, but it's, yeah, it's a bad situation. And on top of that, they announced Dobbs is going to be starting. So that, that already makes it harder for the running backs. You get Justin Jefferson back involved. You still right. got to get in his Jordan Addison still in the mix. So where is the running back touch is going to go? I don't, I don't know. So uh, not a good situation for them. Okay. That does should, it. Or should I name just a couple guys? We talked about it. Like, Oh, at the end of the bench, just like guys that you want to hold instead of that fifth. Yeah. Go for it, my man. All right. I think that Kenny Gainwell with DeAndre Swift banged up is worth a pickup. Obviously, Zach Charbonnet, we didn't get to him. Kareem Hunt, we didn't get to him. Those are two guys that should be on benches. Tajay Spears should be on benches. Oh, of course. Tyler Algier should be on the bench. Rico Dowdle should be on the bench. Dearness Johnson, I think, is a, an, an underrated one with Travis Etienne. Um, he's had foot injuries and stuff. I think that Jacksonville offense, assuming Trevor Lawrence can get back in, would be interesting. And then uh, Chase Brown, we saw him pop up without Joe Mixon uh, potentially down the stretch. And then Josh Kelly, of course, behind oh. the ghosts of Austin Eckler. So uh, it's always funny to go through this. I don't know how to delete people's faces. So this is a couple years old. And uh, you nice. see like Rex Burkhead on here. I see Russ Wilson in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened. Uh, Mike Boone. Nice. Um I mean, we got our guy, Boston Scott. We got Sony Michelle in here. Nice. Who is this? <laughs> Can't tell. <laughs> I don't know who this is. Someone in the comments, let me know who this is. Um, and always having DJ Dallas so, and so Jamal Williams right next to each other is uh, yeah. is is a beautiful sight. Matt Breida. 
down mm-hmm. here too. Um, lovely. Good stuff. Lovely stuff. Oh, and Ty Davis Price, who was waived this week. Yeah, right? <laughs> They're calling the new Trey Sermon. Okay, there Trey it is. Trey Sermon also on that list. If <laughs> yeah, of course. Right, right. <laughs> they had some other dude pop in there at number 31 after Trey Sermon like dropped his lone target. My guy, Good Goodson. Remember, I, I put him Mike in our Goodson? Slack. Who was no, Goodson? No, uh, Tyler Goodson. Oh, okay. Uh, I, put I don't know Mike Goodson. Too. Maybe they're brothers? Where did he go to school? Uh, Iowa for, oh. for my guy. I don't know who your guy is. Mike Goodson was a former like third round pick of the Panthers out of Texas A&M back in the day. The same year that they drafted Tony Fiametta, who uh, oh, is a name I'm going to bring up for Nick Rudman this weekend wow. down in Miami when we play. Where did he go to school? Who's nice. that guy? The, did the, you see- the, the best game for dudes when they're together. Uh, the ringer, they were playing a game, uh, what's his height and weight, which I thought was a good wrinkle as well. See that that's a tough one for me, Hayden, because they might go by like the roster height and weight. And I would remember combine one combine. Okay. So, and they always, you know, go up. Yeah. But I think, I just think just doing the combine weight would be, uh, that's a good game too. Totally. Okay. That does it. 44 minutes. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, I just want to tell you that Aston Villa Football Club is the best damn club in the land. Just beat the treble-winning Manchester City. And what else could you ask for? A club that you watch, that you watch in the depths of the championship for years suffering under Steve Bruce. Then make the playoffs. Doesn't happen. Then you bring in Dean Smith, who Villa man through and through gets you up to the Premier League. Can't take you too far. Jack Grealish have to sell him. Don't win enough games to keep Dino. Bring in the idiotic Steven Gerrard for about 10 months. And now, King, Mr. Unai Emery has taken this club from 18th up to third in the Premier League. Ladies and gentlemen, what a season. What a time. Up the villa. We will talk to y'all soon. See ya.